0: You're listening to Songs Out Loud from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm Aaron Doerr. This podcast documents the life of a song. Everything from what inspired the original idea to how it came together in the studio. With the help from isolated instrument and vocal tracks called Stems supplied by the artists, I recorded them reflecting back on their creative process with it and compiled it all here in a documentary-style show-and-tell. It's a behind-the-scenes tour of their song. Instrument by instrument, lyric by lyric, and beat by beat. Cave of Swords trio Senyata McDermott, Eric Armbruster, and Kevin write and record brooding, synth-heavy pop music in their South St. Louis apartment studio. They play live, too but had extra time not playing live last year when they released a perfectly titled album, Good Music to Feel Bad To. They supplied me with a whopping 40 stem files for the song, Falling. And as I learned from Kevin, songs on their last album saw upwards of 70 tracks per song. I actually started by talking to Sunyata about the lyrics. Here she is trying to convince me this song isn't a breakup song.
1: My name is Sunyata McDermott, singer and lyricist and sometimes instrumentalist with Cave of Swords. Um, So, yeah, uh, (laughs) let's see. Now that you say that, it does seem a little less clear what this whole song is about. What I was thinking about when I wrote this, you know, that which seems obvious to me, you know, when I think about it from anybody else's perspective and, and on top of the fact that we wrote this, you know, in 2017, when you're hearing the song has a lot to do with how you're perceiving it. So, um, it was a couple of years into the Trump administration and it was just a, a pretty massive pile up of anti-immigrant laws and presidential declarations. And, uh, it just felt really painful to be a part of that as an American you know my fears and anxiety about climate change and 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 living under a um, sadistic regime, um, but also my father had just died. He died of chronic alcohol abuse, and um, and for a lot of this record, though not this song, I was still in the in the deep grips of alcoholism myself and getting you know pretty blackout drunk frequently, and um, I had accepted near-term human extinction from climate change and, and climate degradation. I was feeling so hopeless and helpless and doomed. I am trying to navigate it all. A mindset on repeat. You know, to just say I am trying is you know, is to live with anxiety, you know, just trying to exist and to navigate it all, you know, that's, you know, these new, um, more strict laws that had been passed for, for asylum seekers and refugees. I mean, the, when your mind is set on repeat, it's like you cannot get away from these, from cyclical thoughts, you know, you're being tortured by your mind. And then on the inside, just feeling, you know... Trying to deal with the anxiety of knowing that you're a part, you know, that, you're, that your tax dollars and, and your, you know, your government who is supposed to represent you is, is doing something that you find just so anti-human. justifications for um opposing immigrants or you know or kicking people out um you know is supposed to be what business um what cultural but it feels personal it's like it, it feels like a personal attack knowing about these climate catastrophes knowing about warlords and and drug lords um you know they they are the architects of of other people's misfortune Knowing what you know, Builder of the Fall. Builder of the Fall. And I remember after writing this, uh, I I believe that his, well, I guess he had already been saying build build the wall. (laughs) And I kept going a little bit back and forth, you know. I think I even sang it a few times or crossed out, you know, like as a as a thing like, well, that's a little bit too on the nose. These things start with, you know, Kevin writes all the time. I mean, he's got he just that's he just writes all the time and and sometimes I'll be in the other room and it'll like just grab hold of me and I'll either start singing or I'll start you know scratching frantically onto a notepad and then I'll be like put this on a thing for me so I can listen to it over and over and over and over and over again <laughs> and um and then after I get some lyrics then you know he goes back in and really starts to like develop swelling and different you know melodic parts and and Eric will get a hold of it and he'll come up with these really tasty hooks or little progressions that make the songs sound so much more sophisticated and he's yeah both of them are astonishingly good at what they do Uh, at least that's how i feel
2: i'm eric armbruster multi-instrumentalist and backup vocalist for cave of swords i think uh, i'm going just from b minor up to d major then down to G major, and then down again, descending to E minor. So I think it's like a, a one-three-six-four progression on that in B minor. I wouldn't necessarily speak to Senyata and Kevin in those musical terms. I think it is mainly a jam session where we will, I guess, hum out a part and see if they might want to try that or rhythmic rhythmically. Um, we would just try to sound it out versus speaking in, in uh, such exact
3: musical terms. Hi, I'm Kevin, producer and guitarist for Cave of Swords. Eric can play actual, uh, he can read music and actually play the instruments. I, I never know, I never know what key we're in. I never know what chord I'm playing. I just, <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> I don't think about music that way. I literally just said, you know, I have some vocal, I vocal ideas that i would like to put here and can you play back so i can record some harmonies that's that's how it works uh yeah
3: but i mean i think a lot of it's just i've been working with computers and music this way since the 90s and so the technology has changed but i always try to keep things as like simple moving parts. Like I, I, I like the idea of things being a clockwork. Um, and, and so I try not to, it's rare when I actually use chords, um, on guitar, on keys, on anything, because I figure if I'm writing individual melodies, then sonata has got a melody and then Eric's got a melody. And then we have a bass line, and we have drums and all the drums are always tuned and pitched. So, you know, like you're, you're creating these, basically chord using multiple instruments.
1: Sometimes a line will percolate for a long time. And, um, but none of this did, I was so distraught. I was so upset, you know, I just listening to news reports and reading this stuff you know, that was coming out, I just, I could, I I felt like I couldn't stop thinking about it. And especially the first two years of the Trump administration, I would just wake up in the middle of the night and not be able to fall back asleep thinking about these deranged people.
2: Especially in this band with such an important vocalist and lyricist, it is incredibly important to me to relate to Sunyata's lyrics.
3: We, I mean, I guess part of being in a relationship with the person that you write with, we are both experiencing the world at the same time and together. So I think a lot of times it's just, I feel like they tend to just sync up a lot. Um, I I do all the drum programming on this. The initial thing was just an 808 kit. Underneath everything, there's, I think it's just an Ableton rack called Kit Ethno. Basically just be percussion sounds. The hi-hats are actually Morse code and it's S.O.S. The initial sound that you hear, that the uh, string sound, it has some some. Well, I guess depending on what speakers you're listening to, it has some kind of deeper notes, and I didn't want I didn't want it to uh, double up really bad on those. They are like a mid range that just kind of moves in and out. There's another bass track that's like a more grindy. Uh, like oh, kind of overdriven sound. That one is just specifically heavy.
2: Oh yeah, I know. It it, it adds. The whole track gets loud when um, that bass comes in. It comes in at just the right time. It's perfect.
3: The process of making the Cave of Swords song is reduction. (laughs) This album is minimal compared to the last one, for sure. We were clocking 70, 80 tracks in each session, uh, getting rid of all the stuff that doesn't need to be in here. And I have have a tendency to overwrite. So this, this record, especially, was making lots of space for Eric And Senyata, well, Senyata always, but Eric more so because he wanted to. He definitely wanted to have more of a hand in writing. Um, All of Eric's stuff is was played live, and he does it really quickly and effortlessly. Like it takes me days and days of tweaking away at something before I'm like, "That's kind of okay." And then he just shows up like the next day. He's like, "Oh, I worked on some stuff," and then it's I'm like, "That's perfect. I'm gonna take out all these keyboards I did."
2: Uh, physical instruments on this song in particular I'm using a a Korg mini log for the the main melody that comes in about halfway through the song at about a minute fifty and I'm using a micro Korg for the bridge
1: So this is at our old apartment. It's a two family flat in South St. Louis. There are only two closets in the entire apartment. And one of them we converted to a recording booth on Craigslist. They were just giving away these acoustic panels. So one on each side of the, of the um, closet walls. And then on the top, we put um, egg foam and um, an old, somebody's discarded flat screen monitor that we hung from the wall so that I also could see, you know, the Ableton page that Kevin was operating from um, what had previously been the master bedroom, which was the musicians, which was the recording studio, basically um, the uh, control room. I thought I could
4: trust the floor.
3: Her vocals on this record to be a, a more clear, just more natural and more, more like she's in the room with you versus this alien produced thing that, that I tend to go for.
1: So yeah, anytime we wanted to record, we would wheel this, uh, one of those wire racks that's on wheels out of the closet, cable the, the headphones, mics, um, and run the, uh, the cable to the uh, monitor across the hallway and into the closet and close the door. (laughs) So that's the physical space. It was a tiny South City closet from a building that was built in 1911 or 1908. (laughs) And yeah, everything in there was pretty much free. Um,
2: We would all gather upstairs in their apartment. And uh, uh, it was pretty collaborative. And we're all with keyboards. Every one of us—me, Senyata, and Kevin—and um, and at times we'll we'll take turns at the desk recording. This bridge happened developmentally very late in the composition of the song. I think this was maybe the last part we worked on. I'm using a completely different sound, I'm going back to the micro microchord, and I'm just picking a a standard pad sound. And I'm just ascending the scale, B up to C sharp, D, and then down a fifth to G. So after the second echo, now I've been in freefall for years. I'm, I'm, I just pulled up this sawtooth wave with a sample and hold LFO on it. I just wanted something to sound like uh, electronic chatter. In the background, that part is uh, buried pretty deep in the in the final mix. Uh, but I'm glad that it's there because I wanted it to be there. But it, I think it's there just enough; you can hear it just barely.
3: I wanted to put something in there that had a that sounded like an old John Carpenter. like the drums that are in like old uh, like 80s John Carpenter music and so that's what that was and I don't really remember honestly why (laughs) it just something struck me then like oh yeah that should be in here
2: this is right before Kevin kind of fades up with these 16th snares all throughout the composition of the song I was waiting to hear just this insane crash at the end of them I think, Kevin said, I'm not really feeling that. So there's no crash on the end of it. It just leads right in back to the final couplet, even though traditionally you would expect to hear a crash or something to signify the end of it. It sounds pretty naked to me, but I think it works because due to the bleakness and, I think, coldness of this
3: song and the story, I think it works. Thinking about her lyrics, it's like, working against something or fighting against something and being promised something and then you think this promise and this payoff is going to happen and it just goes back to being the same thing and that's that's what felt like the the song should do more so than having there be this yeah this payoff moment
2: because when it resolves itself is when her vocals come in i think is just a retracing or going in circles trying to retell the story in your head about how you got to where you are. And I, it's, it's a very simple interpretation uh, of mine. Clearly.
1: <laughs> the portion before this has all the, um, harmonies on it. And, and that one is the only portion of the song that has harmonies. And so coming out of that and without, without all the emotion sort of leaking out and deflating, I feel like the, that last um, portion, I just tried to sing it very full-throated, um, sound very adult, um, very possessed of my emotions.
4: Don't turn me around. Into the winter
1: I mean, when I talk about washed up on your shore, I mean, that is like the tale of the American immigrant, you know, you know, coming to Ellis Island, seeing the Statue of Liberty, you know, and begging to be, you know, taken in. But, but here we are in, you know, modern America, turning the suffering people away. At this point, it's really important to do what we can. Um. <laughs> to quote Michael E. Mann, um, a client scientist, we ha- there is urgency, but we have agency as well and um, And I think at, at this point it's really important to focus on on those things. So I kind of wish that I had you know I, there's a, I have a tinge of regret for writing an entire album that inspires hopelessness, <laughs> as far as the lyrics go. But I can recognize now how harmful doom you know giving into doom is because it isn't all lost and when you give into doom you also give up your agency you know most people don't write about geopolitics (laughs) in the same way that i do i mean that's i never write breakup songs but i think they often sound like breakup songs
0: now let's hear the complete finished song falling The artists you hear on Songs Out Loud agree. Your digital music and merchandise purchases from their websites, or even places like Bandcamp, are among the most direct ways you can support them. I am pretty excited for this project, and I loved how fun it was talking to Senyatta, Eric, and Kevin, and how cooperative they were with all my licensing and permissions requests. Songs Out Loud is produced, engineered, and mixed by me, Aaron Doerr. But I got the idea to do this from my favorite podcast, Song Exploder, by Rishikesh Hirwe. And you should definitely be subscribed there, too.